Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. Israel, out looking for a place to rest, met God out looking for them. God told them, I've never quit loving you and I never will. Expect love, love, and more love. And so now I'll start over with you and build you up again, dear Israel. You'll resume your singing, grabbing tambourines, and joining the dance. You'll go back to your old work of planting vineyards on the Samaritan hillsides and sit back and enjoy the fruit. The time's coming when watchmen will call out from the hilltops of Ephraim. On your feet, let's go to Zion. Go to meet our God. It's an honor to be with you today. I'm just sorry we can't be in person. I'm so grateful for the ministries of Aspen Chapel and the invitation to be with you. I was asked to tell you a little about myself, and while preachers, well, actually, preachers' families are always fodder for sermon illustration, it's never the focus of the sermon. So let me do a little introduction, and then I pray that the Spirit will bring you into a fuller sense of yourself, of your relationship with God, and your journey towards love. So pray with me. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all our hearts, be led by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Amen. July 15, 2016. That day will forever live in my heart as the day I saw the Holy Spirit descend on a group of people and the most unlikely of things happened. An openly lesbian clergywoman was elected bishop. The journey to that day hasn't been easy. I've always loved the church. It's the place from a very young age where I came to know Jesus and experience God's unconditional love for me. At 11, even though I had never seen a woman clergy person, I heard my call to ministry. Everything I did from that point on was to prepare me to be the best United Methodist pastor I could be. God continued to be a very real presence in all that I did in seminary However, God suddenly disappeared from my life, and I felt like I was wandering in the wilderness, a soul in exile. Like most seminarians, my first year of study deconstructed my faith and life. In the brokenness, I had to face parts of myself that I tried to suppress my entire life. I listened to the stories of gay and lesbian students and recognized myself in those stories. I struggled deeply, realizing that for most of my life, I knew that there was something different about me, even before I had a name for it. At the end of my first year of seminary, I literally ran away, hopping a Greyhound bus in Oakland and heading to Nova Scotia, which is about as far away as you can run in North America. But it was where my grandparents lived. I lost myself in weeping, a tear-stained Bible on my lap for the first thousand miles of that trip, until finally, emotionally spent, I claimed the part of me I most feared. And the miracle is this. When I was able to admit to myself and to God, I am a lesbian, I felt that peace which passes all understanding descend upon my heart. It was amazing. I spent the summer painting my grandparents' home, reflecting on my first year of seminary, what I had learned about myself, and began to put the pieces together again. 
in that rebuilding, God returned. And I learned an important lesson. God doesn't ever leave us. We leave God when we deny who we are and who God created us to be. I have loved the church all through my vocation, even when it has been the source of my deepest pain. I resonate deeply with the writings of the Catholic lay brother, Carlo Corretto, who wrote, how baffling you are, O church, and yet how I love you. How you've made me suffer, and yet how much I owe you. I would like to see you destroyed, and yet I need your presence. You have given me so much scandal, and yet you've made me understand what sanctity is. I have seen nothing in the world more devoted to obscurity, more compromised, more false, and yet I've touched nothing more pure, generous, or beautiful. How often I've wanted to shut the doors of my soul in your face, and how often I've prayed to die in the safety of your arms. No, I can't be free from you because I am you, though not completely. And besides, where would I go? Would I establish another? I wouldn't be able to establish it without the same faults, for they are the same faults I carry in me. And if I did establish another, it would be my church, not the Church of Christ. I'm old enough to know that I'm no better than anyone else. I, like so many, have lived in this tension of bafflement and love. It's caused us to feel as if we are walking in the wilderness at the same time we're in Zion. It's an odd spiritual place to live for sure. But it's also the place of blessing because God comes to us wherever we are. God meets us in the silent places of our heart. God meets us in our closets. God meets us where we feel most alone and lonely. God meets us in the wilderness, and God loves us. As the message version of the scripture reminds us, we can expect love, love, and more love. God has never quit loving us and never will. And that's why, even in the wilderness, there's so much joy. You and I might be people wandering in the wilderness and in a church that doesn't know quite what to do with us, in a world that's hostile to us and the values we hold, but God meets us there. It's why we sing and dance and have so much joy. Our God is with us. You are a child of God. You are loved by God. Hear that you are a child of God and you are loved by God. And when you live into this truth, there is joy to be found even when you're a refugee walking in the wilderness. My wife, Robin, and I have a very special friend. Lydia came into our lives because of an email we received several years ago. A friend of mine sent out a note to as many people he knew explaining that his boyfriend's parents were in need of work, any kind of work. The parents were political refugees, and because of their nationality, their accent, and dark skin, they were having a difficult time finding a job. So Robin and I talked about it and realized, well, we did have a few odd jobs around the house that maybe we could use some help with, and we passed that word on to our friend. Days later, we welcomed Lydia into our home, and thus began a dear and wonderful friendship we learned of how Lydia and her husband were well-known activists in Kenya, exposing corruption in the government. 
As journalists, they refused to be censored and risked much freedom. Risked much, they risked their own freedom, but risked much to bring freedom to Kenya. As tension mounted, they realized that more than just their livelihood was being threatened. There was little that looked out of the ordinary that morning in 1994 when they got their children up for school, dressed them and gathered their school books. It looked like just an ordinary day as the whole family got in the car, but they didn't drive to school. Instead, they escaped Kenya with just their clothes on their backs. They have faced great hardship since that day, having to start their lives all over again from scratch. Lydia has shared so much about Kenyan culture with us, sharing food and stories and customs, that there's always a wistful look in Lydia's eyes whenever we talked. And she would sigh and wonder if she would ever see her mother land ever again. About a year ago, Robin and I had a very special Bon Voyage party as Lydia and her husband were finally returning home. The joy in the room was palpable. Lydia could barely contain herself in the joy that she felt returning home. The brokenness, the despair, the alienation that she carried for 20 years was being healed. I saw a new woman that day. The refugee was coming home. At any given time, 4% of the world's population is made up of refugees, people who, for whatever reason, have had to leave the familiar, leave family and friends, leave, leave behind jobs and possessions, leave the very, under, the very things that helped them understand who they were. They were the homeless ones, the uprooted ones, the landless ones, forced by oppressive or natural forces to leave all that was familiar, all that connected them to something greater than themselves, to lose it all, even their identity, as they became refugees. And you and I know, it's not just being uprooted geographically that makes one a refugee. Many of us here today are refugees. Some of us are spiritual refugees. Because of who we are, we've had to flee harmful and damaging traditions to, to wander in the wilderness looking for a new spiritual home. Whether it's because of our sexual orientation, what we know to be true about God, or how we understand scripture, salvation, or sin, we've been forced to leave a community that we're, we were once a part of and found meaning. We've become spiritual refugees. Still others are relational refugees. Some of us have been forced to flee abusive, loveless relationships. As a way to protect ourselves, we've perhaps gone too far and cut ourselves off from other relationships that could be life-giving. Still, others of us have chosen to be relational refugees. We've lost the ability to be at home in our own skins. Instead of connection, all we know is alienation. Certainly that is true with what so many of us are experiencing in the midst of COVID. Instead of being filled with love and joy, there's only hollowness and emptiness. Some of us have turned to drugs or alcohol or other addictions to fill the void. But if we're honest with ourselves, while it may dull the feeling of being a refugee for a little while, when we come down or the buzz subsides, we're still alone, disconnected, 
not even at home with our own self. What keeps us up at night is wondering if we will always live this refugee life. Are you a refugee? Are you homeless? Are you unable to even find a home within yourself? Edward Wimberly says that even refugees need to be connected and related significantly to others. Only by living in relationship can we discover our true identities, our roles, and our purpose and meaning of our lives. If we cut ourselves off from meaningful relationships, we become vulnerable to meaninglessness and strangers to the world. Here is the good news. There is grace to be found in the wilderness. God will meet you in your wilderness wanderings and show you the way home. In the late winter of 2016, I felt myself in the wilderness. I was no longer sure what God wanted of my life. I'd begun to wonder if I was nearing the end of my ministry. It was then that a still, small voice began to speak through trusted friends and colleagues, asking me if I would allow my name to come forward for the episcopacy. Robin and I discussed it, prayed over it, and admitted we felt too much fear. I love the church. I love the church. And I love my relationship. And I didn't want to harm either one. Friends reminded us that the annual conference where Episcopal candidates were nominated was about a week away. And if I did indeed feel the call, they needed to know by the Sunday before annual conference was to start. So Robin and I made an appointment to have this conversation together. On Saturday night, Robin and I had a really heavy conversation about it, to which in the middle of it, she just looked at me and she said, a line from scripture, perfect love casts out all fear. That bit of scripture opened a door and we went back, we went to bed that night feeling as if there was a call and we need, needed to say yes to it. The, the following morning was June 12th. We woke up to the news of the Pulse nightclub shooting where a gunman killed 49 people and wounded 53 at a gay nightclub. It confirmed for us the call. Too many lives are at stake and the church must have a role in its healing. From that day forward, I have experienced the Holy Spirit in a way I never could have imagined. The Spirit has been mightily present, providing strength and calm and perseverance in the midst of these days of great change. In the wilderness of my life, God met me and led me to a place I never imagined. And the same is true for you. Whether a spiritual refugee, a relational refugee, or a political refugee, God is seeking you out. When you feel as if the church, your family, your, your community, even your country is pushing you out and closing the door, God will begin something new right where you are. Because the one who created you loves you and calls you by name to come home. Come home, God says. And let me wrap 
my loving arms around you. Come home. Stop running and wandering and return to those who can help you remember your name and your true self. Come home. Dare to bring your weary soul and find a place where you can find rest. Come home. Come home. Stop chasing after those things that leave you empty and alone and remember the, the simple things that once gave your life meaning and provided a sense of place. Just as God said to Jeremiah, God says to each of us, I've never quit loving you and I never will. Expect love, love and more love. And so now I'll start over with you and build you up again, dear Israel. You'll resume your singing, grabbing tambourines and joining the dance. I have never quit loving you and never will. It's here in community that we can hear God's voice calling our name and claiming us as a part of beloved community. There is nothing to fear here because the arms are wide open waiting to take you in to help you find a home, not only here among us, but a home in your own skin. My friend Lydia couldn't stop dancing at the prospect of going home. She who had been so somber, so cautious, danced a jig and grabbed strangers by the neck to share with them her joy. She was going home and the bone weariness of 20 years of wandering as a refugee lifted from her shoulder and was replaced by the peace which passes all understanding. You don't have to live that weariness forever. You can leave your wandering and refugee status behind and find a home in God's love. Don't you know how loved you are? Come home. Come home. You who are weary, come home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh, calling, come home. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.